Welcome to the Execution Zone podcast, where we tackle the challenge of why executing strategy is so much harder than actually creating it. We talk openly and honestly with entrepreneurs and leaders who will share the behind the scenes story of their own journey. This will give you the insights that you need to shortcut your own path to success. Welcome to the Execution Zone podcast. I'm Abby White. This week, we're taking a completely different format to the podcast. Everything in our world has turned upside down a little bit this week, so I thought I'd do the same with the podcast. What I wanted to do was start by talking about some of my own reflections on the week, what I'm finding useful, what strategies I'm leaning into in hope that that might give you some inspiration and help. I'm sort of really up for hearing what everyone is doing at the moment to really learn and take inspiration from each other. And then what I've got for you is two different recordings that we've put onto the podcast for this week. The first one is around legal implications of COVID-19 situation, and that's led by Marianne from Legalite. And then second up, we've talked about IT implications of the situation, and that's led by Mike from Connect. And what we've done in those is done a little bit of a These were done as Facebook Lives in our Facebook group, which is the Execution Zone community, which you are very, very welcome to join us in. What we did was a little bit of knowledge sharing from those two experts and then a bit of a QA and a at the end from various people that were in the group. The reason why I wanted to sort of do this is to try and engage as many different experts that I know in my network to try and help us at this point in time and and give some you know advice and so on to businesses out there that need it i think all of us have been impacted in one way shape or form or another so personally i found that there was you know something in there for everyone in terms of the second one with it that one we do cover quite a lot of ground talk about cybersecurity implications because now I hate to be the one that says it but now is actually sort of prime time when hackers will take advantage of the situation and therefore cybersecurity risks start to come at play. And I share my own examples of having attempts on our business. And Mike has shared quite a lot of resources that you'll find in the show notes with some free tools, a free assessment with him and other sort of different checklists and resources that you can leverage So it doesn't have to be this big, scary, daunting thing. And I share it not to add to the scaremongering, but more to get on the front foot. No one needs another headache right now. All of us, I think, have sort of had quite enough. So I don't think, you know, I think we need to be on the front foot with things like this to stay protected. Mike then also talks about some of the tools that he recommends. So that one's quite an in-depth conversation, but nonetheless, it's, it's a really important one to be having at this point in time. It doesn't need to be expensive. It doesn't need to be complicated. There's just a few simple things that you can do to protect your business at this point in time. So we're going to start off by me going into some of my thoughts and and what I'm finding. And I preface this with, I'm not trying to position myself as an expert on this situation. I don't think anyone is. I think this is very unprecedented time. So I think when we're all giving our two cents worth. It's all just based on our own knowledge and experience, but I don't think anyone, you know, no one's quite been through this scenario before. And so we're all just sort of, you know, doing the best we can with the situation. So I'm not prefacing this to be an expert, but I'm telling you sort of, and sharing what I'm finding working 
and what I'm leaning into in the hope that that sort of inspires something that, you know, you might want to adopt or start implementing. So the first thing for me that I've really been leaning on in this coronavirus situation is finding the silver lining. And whenever I say silver lining, and it's kind of like my catchphrase at the moment, it's like buzzword bingo in our house. It's kind of funny because I feel like my mother for saying it. I feel about, you know, a hundred years old for saying it, but I actually think it's true. I think in all of these situations, there is always some shape or form of silver lining. It never feels like it at the time. It always pretty much feels crap at the time, but somehow somewhere a silver lining emerges. And for me, I'm trying to lean into some of the silver linings I'm already starting to see, both in my personal life and my professional life, and just use those really as a focus. And I found that has actually been really, really helpful for me. One thing as an example of that in sort of the professional world is we've launched with the Execution Zone a free membership model with resources in the membership portal, the online portal, to help businesses during this coronavirus period. So lots of different experts are contributing. If you would like to contribute yourself, please contact me. And I'm finding that's a really positive focus for me to be able to feel as if in some small way I'm contributing and give me something positive and that feels good to focus on rather than all the negativity And that for me is a silver lining to be able to do that is definitely a silver lining. And even if it helps one or two people, I'm, I'm good with that. You know, my job is done. So that's definitely a silver lining that has emerged for us in my personal life. As an example, my brother was supposed to be going up to Noosa, I think it was, and that trip got canceled. And so he's ended up coming to stay and, you know, he's spending time with my little one and we're spending time together that we wouldn't have had. And I'm sure in a couple of weeks time, we'll all you know, want to kill each other and I'll be backtracking on that statement. But, you know, there's there's little things like that that I'm just trying to lean into. I've actually been leaning into a lot of my diploma in positive psychology learnings and things like, you know, gratitude. Only a couple minutes a day of gratitude actually has been scientifically proven to boost our well-being and increase happiness. So some of the little things that I've been grateful for, I've been noting down in a gratitude diary at night. I think it's been interesting as well, looking at who I follow in this situation. The other thing for me that I've really been looking at is um, my digital well-being. And this is really building off the back of Dr. Christy Goodwin's podcast last week, which just couldn't have been better timing. If you missed it, go back and check it out. I found myself removing myself from some of the mainstream media and some of the dramatization and even people who I just right now, I can't be around some of the negativity. And I know that sounds potentially harsh, but I'm really leaning on the cheesy saying of put your own oxygen mask on first. You know, I know right now that my mindset is pretty much number one for me. I cannot be a good mum to Jaden. I cannot be a good business owner, good wife, good sister, you know, all those situations I'm in unless I'm in a good place. So I'm really trying to work hard on some of my own rituals that I know work for me and have worked in the past so that I can be in a better place for everyone else around me and not, you know, bite everyone's head off. So that's some of the things that I've been finding useful. A person that I've sort of been finding useful in terms of following, Tony Robbins, I've found has come out with some great quotes And talking to the fact that, again, you know, out of some of these great difficulties always comes opportunity. 
And it's been interesting looking at some of the businesses that were born out of the back of the global financial crisis, you know, Airbnb, Uber, so many innovative businesses came out the back of global financial crisis, which, you know, I was in the UK at the time and worked through. And I'm sure the same will happen again. So there's a part of me that, without it sounding wrong, actually feels excited about that. I'm already seeing businesses starting to innovate and pivot. And to me, that's pretty cool and pretty exciting. And it's not just large businesses, it's also small businesses. And I'll talk to some of those in a minute. The other thing is, you know, I've seen some great quotes and motivational quotes around, you know, the hardest things come the best things. And I've totally butchered that quote, but I I do look at my life and go some of the worst things that have ever happened or the hardest things I've been through, you know, then lead to bigger and better things. So I'm just trying to lean into that. And even though, you know, let's be completely honest in this conversation, sometimes I feel like I'm kidding myself and like, I'm trying to persuade myself. It still for me works and it's better than being completely and utterly negative. And that's not to say that I'm not negative. I absolutely, you know, our business has been impacted. Some of our clients have been heavily impacted and that's been just so upsetting to watch. And it has been difficult and it has been draining and all those things. And, you know, watching, you know, a business that you've built be impacted is very painful. So absolutely, I have moments of going, what the hell is going on? And, you know, really just, you know, having a swearing party for a minute so I'm, I don't think being negative is the enemy or a bad thing. For me personally, it's about not staying there. Leaning on Tony Robbins again, I once saw a quote that Tony Robbins talks to around, you know, not staying in negativity. In his case, he uses the example of 30 seconds. I tend to be more like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, have a rant, have, talk it out and then move on and pick myself up to a, a better place. I'm being very conscious of who I'm having those conversations with as well. You know, everyone's trying to preserve their energy. So I'm trying to be constructive in how I'm having those conversations and who I'm having conversations with. The other thing I think is exciting, like I mentioned before, is around some of the pivots that we're starting to see from businesses. So to give you a couple examples, one of our clients, Urban Ritual, they do beautiful products. They do candles. They do um, hand wash. moisturizers and various other products um, and they have just launched a hand sanitizer and between they them coming up with the concept and releasing it to market was 48 hours now that is incredible they are a small fantastic australian business and this has led to them innovating moving damn quickly um, and addressing a market opportunity um, that's there um, other businesses, sort of large businesses, Louis Vuitton have repurposed apparently their perfume factories to do hand sanitizer. Um, I heard someone say the other day, and I need to check this out whether it's true that Ford had repurposed um, some of its manufacturing plants for medical equipment. Um, gyms, I think, have been really quick to quickly start launching, you know, live streaming workouts and virtual online memberships. Um, if I take a look at ourselves for 30 seconds, we haven't cancelled any of our workshops for our members. We've taken all of them online. We've adapted how we're doing it so that it's not, you know, 
a whole entire day sitting at your desk. So we're having regular breaks, a good lunchtime um, and, you know, adapting the content a little bit to the current environment, but we are still going ahead because I believe that it's more important than ever to continue helping supporting our members and and those businesses. Um, So we very quickly decided to pivot. Um, And I think that's what is exciting for me is how many businesses are suddenly driving innovation out of this situation. Um, Out of that, I think there's two things that are interesting for me. One is um, execution. Um, As we say in the name around the execution zone, I think now is the time to execute really, really, really strongly. This isn't the time for massive in-depth planning. Um, It's not the time for procrastination. It's not the time for overwhelm. It's the time for taking the first step and the rest will follow. Um, I've also found just throwing it out there as a concept, seeing what people are responding to and going with it has helped. And what I mean by that is, for example, I started talking about the fact I wanted to do a free membership. And as soon as I put it out there, I got some really positive responses. And then, you know, I'd taken that first step and it just snowballed from there. And now it's, you know, in motion and and it's off the mark and it's available. Um, So I think just don't, None of us know where this is going to go. Every single day is changing. I'm even conscious between me recording this and the time it goes live in the two, three days it'll take us to edit. Um, things might have changed in the meantime. Um, but And that's why I think we just need to execute now by taking that first step and continuing to monitor the situation and pivot as we need to. Um, the businesses that are executing fast are very much either reaping the rewards if it's a case of you know addressing a market need an opportunity that is there or they're minimizing the damage and the losses by protecting themselves um, and starting to future-proof themselves. So I I do believe now is the time to double down on execution and just take that first step. That's all you need to do. Um, On that note, I do want to talk to that point around actually addressing market opportunities that we see. Um, There's a lot of people sort of say, oh, now's not the time to sell. Now's not the time to sell. And This is a personal opinion, but for me personally, I think it's about being cognizant and sensitive to the market situation. Um, For me, it's about um, all clubbing together and very much supporting other businesses. But by the same token, there are still needs that are there. So by Louis Vuitton pivoting and creating hand sanitizer and putting the weight and force of their company behind that and the volume that I imagine they would be able to produce, that is helping all the thousands and thousands of people that are desperately trying to buy hand sanitizer. Um, You know, they're not trying to rip us off. They're not trying to twist our arm. They're not trying to sell us something that's faulty. They're trying to address a need that's there and um, supply against that demand. So to me, I think that is all goodness. So I don't believe that we should stop selling if we are actually providing a project, uh, product or service that is of benefit to people right now. Um, I think it's more just around being mindful and sensitive in our language and our communication, and our messaging to the situation. Um, I do believe it's the time for generosity. I have really appreciated some of the people this week who have supported me. I've appreciated, you know, one person um, gave me a referral this week and I really appreciated that. Um, And I'm trying to do the same and 
the hashtag I'm trying to use with this with um, the free member portal as well is around creating a generosity epidemic. Um, When I've been revisiting my diploma in positive psychology learnings, one thing that I came across again was how acts of kindness have been scientifically proven to boost our happiness and therefore our well-being, um, but also the others who are receiving that that gesture, that act of kindness. Um, So all round, it's a win-win. And I think now is the time to also do that and be able to see the good. Um, So where possible, um, I'm certainly trying to support people, even if it's just something little. Um, Our next door neighbours this week had a newborn baby um, and came home. And, you know, being a mum myself, I know how bloody challenging that first week is. And I was mowing our lawn. Can't quite believe I was mowing my lawn. It's probably like the only time I think I've ever mowed our lawn. Um, But I continued on and started mowing their lawn. Um, And I'm not saying that to be a hero. That's not what I'm claiming whatsoever. But what I'm sort of saying is this generosity epidemic that we can start. I think it doesn't have to be large scale things. I think sometimes we all feel like, how do I contribute to that? Or certainly I do. I think it can just be little things that make us feel better. Like we've contributed and and help that other person. Um, So that's definitely something that I feel we we need to do. Um, The other thing I'm, I'm really leaning on hard is focus. Um, Execution doesn't like complexity and it's been proven by the studies that have been done on execution that two to three goals is the optimum amount. Um, If you have more than three goals, your chance of achieving any of them dramatically reduces and the more goals you have, it actually goes down to zero in terms of your your chance of achieving them. when Jacinta McDonald talked at our summit um, a few weeks back now, feels like forever ago, she talked about having absolute relentless focus when her and her brother Justin started Anytime Fitness in Australia. Um, and that is something that I found myself sort of revisiting a little bit there, her thought process around relentless focus. It's also Warren Buffett and Bill Gates accredit their credit their success to focus. Um, so there's there's enough support behind that concept that for me, I think focus is really important right now. And I think for me, having a focus on something positive um, has also kept me away from some of the negativity around, oh, you know, well, we lost that client or, you know, this is bad or, you know, we're all going to self-isolate and, you know, whatever that might mean for, for everyone. Um, I think it's actually been quite positive at the moment to, to keep myself um, in a really good mindset. So focus, I think, is really important. The other thing I've found um, is we now have our little one at home. So my working hours have just absolutely been smashed and I have not a lot of time available. So focus is more important than ever for me to go, okay, if I only have a few hours to work a day, um, what are the most important tasks that are going to move the needle? Um, so I would say, you know, my, my two cents worth would be thinking about just the two to three goals that you have and what the brutal focus, um, is going to be for you. Um, the other thing I'm finding that's really helping me this time is I love the concept and I can't remember which book it's from. Um, I love the concept of a dream team. Um, I feel as if I'm very fortunate and have worked hard to build a dream team around me. So whether that's some of, you know, family or friends, um, also mentor, I've leaned a hell of a lot on my mentor, um, team, um, and just 
other people within my network who get it, who understand and are people that you can just all rally around each other. And I found surrounding myself with the right people has actually been really, really helpful. Um, And it just gives the support in place when you need it. So I feel now more than ever is the time to double down on a dream team. Um, I've also felt like it's time for community. I've found myself, you know, I've jumped into the Facebook community again um, and really started doubling down on that because I think when we're all physically disconnected as we are, we want to feel connected in other ways. And I've really noticed people jumping back into Facebook groups and um, reconnecting again, which has been really, really great. Um, So I think from a community perspective, that's really important right now and I've I've certainly enjoyed that um to give you an example in our community the other night um I started with memes about the current coronavirus and what's the best meme you've seen and whilst that might sound um silly depending on sort of you know where you're at at the moment um it's actually interesting there's science again behind laughing and humor and how again that is is so good for us um i can't remember the research off the top of my head i actually posted about it the other day um but there's all science behind how laughing can actually help even boost our immune system um and help with you know mindset happiness and so on Um, And I think that the moment when it can feel quite intense and quite hard, sometimes you just need a bit of a laugh. And the other night when we were doing a meme off um, in the Facebook group, I was absolutely killing myself laughing. I was at home with my husband and my brother and we were looking at all these different memes. And honestly, we were just having such a laugh. And for an hour that we were messing around with it, you just kind of forgot about everything else that was going on. So it was just well needed escapism and light relief. Um, So leaning into humor where possible has also been quite helpful. Um, The next thing for me has been exercise. And I'm going to be really honest about this and say this loosely. When I say exercise, like I'm not going to the gym. Obviously, none of us are going to the gym now. Um, It can even just be something small, like taking myself for a walk around the block. Um, I've not really felt like full-blown exercise at all. So it might even just be literally a 2K run around the block or a walk around the block or just something really, really light. But I've found myself... um, needing for sanity to get out of the house firstly and just get some fresh air and secondly just keep myself moving um and I found even just saying right I'm gonna do 10 minutes a day and promising myself I'm gonna do 10 minutes a day that's been really positive the other thing on that note has been I thought the other night really hard about what we're always saying that we're so busy, we're so busy, we're so busy, I don't have time, I don't have time. Well, suddenly we've all just got quite a bit more time on our hands. Um, None of us are commuting um, and, you know, a lot of us have got more time. So I thought to myself, what out of the back of this, you know, when this is all done, am I going to regret not doing with this situation? And I thought to myself, for me, one of the personal things is going to be exercise. Like I see this as an opportunity to get fit. Um, even if it's just going for a run every single day around the block, that's more than I do normally. Um, and it's a great opportunity to try and use that extra time that I would have been commuting, um, by doing some exercise each day. And I know that I'll regret it if I don't take advantage of that opportunity. So asking myself that question has been really powerful. I think the other thing around exercise, um, I heard someone speak a few weeks back um, when I was at an event and she was a high performance coach and 
I've forgotten her name on the spot, but um, she talked to motion changes emotion. So make sure you have motion, physical movement to change your emotions. Um, Kate Save on the first ever podcast that we did talked to exercise also being key for high performance because of the um, impact to our brains and actually essentially um, forming new neurons in our brain. Um, I won't talk to the scientific stuff purely because I can't, um, but Kate talks about it in episode one. So I think exercise on so many levels right now is, you know, what we need for, for sanity, for high performance and so on. Um, so that's been another thing I've leaned on. The next thing for me has been around um, momentum. Um, I'm pretty obsessed with the word momentum. I personally think it's key to execution. Um, I think as long as we can maintain momentum, the world feels good. When momentum completely and utterly stops, it's like the first time going back to the gym again where it just is super hard and feels painful. If we can keep the rhythm going and keep some shape or form of momentum, it all just feels good and it all starts to build and all those you know little proactive things that we're doing come to fruition. So I'm trying to make sure that I take daily momentum on the business and in my personal life to, to keep things moving so that I don't feel like things are stagnated. And that's also been a really positive focus for me. The final thing that I think has been interesting out of this situation is around leadership. I dipped back into the Good to Great book by Jim Collins, if you've read that one. And he looked at good companies and great companies and essentially found that the great companies, one of the differences, and there are a few differences, one of the differences were that they had what he calls level five leaders. And level five was about putting the organization or the business first and foremost before your own needs. It wasn't about you. It wasn't about your ego. It was about putting the business first. But it was also about confronting the brutal facts and then never giving up. And that was really interesting. And it also echoed some of Jacinta McDonald, co-founder of Anytime Fitness's points when she talked to our summit how she said for her and Justin, all the roller coaster that they went through with Anytime Fitness, they never lost faith that it wasn't going to work, not even for a second. It wasn't even a question. It was an absolute 100% commitment. And I found myself the other day having this conversation with my mentor about my business and her sort of saying to me, you know, are you 100% committed? And I think that it's a really interesting time to step up and lead And whether that's leading in your business, leading in your team, leading in your community, in your family, whatever that might be, I think out of these situations, it represents opportunities for new people to step up and lead and people want to see that leadership. So how can we step up as a level five leader, to quote Jim Collins, and confront those brutal facts that are around us at the moment? We're not being naive to that, but don't lose faith. And that's something that I am certainly trying to lean into. So that's probably a bit of a whistle-stop tour of some of the things that I am finding helpful. I guess sort of from a sales perspective, it is about pivoting, but not stopping. I think there's a difference between pivoting to be sensitive and cognizant to the situation and what the needs of your target market are now, today, rather than a couple of weeks ago. 
but it's not about stopping. I've seen so many people say, stop selling. It's not appropriate. And I don't think that's the case. We all need to stay in business. We all need to support each other's businesses. It's just adapting to the situation in in my opinion. So look, I hope that has been helpful to share some of the things that are working for me. And hopefully one of those two things might work for you. And I'd also love to hear what you're finding working. Like I said, I've been leaning back into books, leaning back into my diploma, leaning back into other things. So I'd love to hear what's working for you. So feel free to connect on Instagram at The Execution Zone or the Facebook group, The Execution Zone Community, and tell me what's working for you. And I'd love, I guess, as a sort of ask from me at this point in time to help me spread the generosity epidemic. You know, who can you do a little act of kindness for? Who can you help? Who can you support? Who can you give a shout out to? Who can you even send a card to? The other day I found myself sending different cards to people in the post as something, you know, nice to kickstart their day when the post arrives. So I would love your help to spread the generosity epidemic and have a really positive epidemic and positive things that come out of this. If you would like to join the free membership, you are more than welcome to go to our website, theexecutionzone.com, and you can find all of the details there. I'll also include the link in our show notes. So I'm going to leave you with that. And now it's time to jump into the two different conversations with the experts we engaged in our group this week. As I mentioned, the first is Marianne from Legalite. And then the second is a conversation with Mike from Connect. Feel free to jump to points that are relevant for you. Um, It does make it an extra long podcast this week. So as I said, the first piece is around legal advice in this situation. And the second piece is around IT advice, which even if you sort of think IT, not for me, you know, it's too complex. I would recommend just jumping into some of those points there around how you protect yourself with cybersecurity and some of the remote working tools at this point in time. I hope that has been helpful for you and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Stay connected, join us on social media and let me know how you're doing. Hello everyone. I believe we are now live. Just checking my Facebook at the same time. Yes, we are. Hey everyone. Thank you for joining. I wanted to get this week lots of different experts to come and join us in the Facebook group so that essentially we could go through what you need to know as a small business owner and as a leader, some of the things that you should be aware of that might be impacting your business at this time during the coronavirus. Obviously, things are changing day by day. So we're sort of providing a bit of an update and a view as of today. I've got with me today Marianne from Legalite, who I'm extremely grateful for joining she's having an incredibly busy time and a popular person right now. So I really appreciate you <laughs> making the time for us. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. What I've asked Marianne to do for us is for her to start by giving us a bit of an update of things to consider, things we should be aware of. And then after that, uh, Marianne's kindly said she'll accept some questions as well. So feel free to ask your questions. If there's something that isn't necessarily appropriate for a wide forum and you want to take it offline with Marianne, I'm sure, you know, you'd be fine there to take that offline too. Yeah. Perfect. Look, thank you. So Marianne, I'll hand over to you and let us know what we need to be aware of right now in this situation as business owners. 
Yeah, great. Thank you, Abby. Um, and I do want to just preface this by saying this is obviously not legal advice, but I do want to give as much information and guidance to help support you and your businesses through this time. So like Abby said, if you have any specific questions, do feel free to reach out to me um, separately and offline. I also want to acknowledge that this is a really hard time for business owners. You know, the anxiety levels, I'm a small business owner myself, so I feel it. I'm there with you. Uh, so make sure that you are getting support as well if you need it um, and know that we're all in this together and hopefully it passes sooner rather than later. So what I wanted to do in the meantime was run through some risk management tips and legal tips to help get your business through this period. So I'm going to run through a bit of a contingency plan step by step. This is very generic, so it's not um, it's not specific to any particular industry, but they are principles that can be applied to most um, most industries. So starting with, I guess, um, the basics of having some sort of plan and policy in place specific to COVID-19. So that might be a health policy, for example, and sharing that with your team and your customers. So that might include um, terms around what to do if one of your staff members actually gets the virus or if they are in contact with someone with the virus. Um, and also following the government regulations around coronavirus. Um, so, for example, uh, if you've returned overseas from particular countries, um, self-isolating for 14 days. Um, as of today, you have to self-isolate anyway if you've travelled back from overseas. That's a government requirement. Um, so, again, just making sure that that's shared with your team. Um, not everybody is looking at the news at the moment because it's highly stressful, so it's important for you to share what information you do have. Um, and then what happens if they do get corona and then are ready to return to work, whether that's working from home or otherwise, um, depending on where things are at at that stage, it might be a good idea, for example, to ask that they actually get a medical certificate to clear them to return to work. Another thing that can be a great idea at this point in time is if you're able to work remotely, so you're able to work from home, then get a um, work from home or remote work policy in place for your team. So that should cover things like what they need to technically set up at home and work from home. Um, it should also have a cybersecurity policy. Um, so we we actually have a work from home um, culture anyway. Um, so some of the tips um, that I can share with you in terms of what we've done in our business um, is implement uh, virus protection on each laptop. Um, we have restrictions around using laptops out in public spaces um, because Wi-Fi, public Wi-Fi, can expose. Um, your information to uh, hackers and um, obviously that's, you know, your data is not very secure in those circumstances. Um, also how staff set up their home workplace. So making sure that it's, you know, a clean, healthy, ergonomic um, environment for them to work from. So it's not ideal for people to be working on their couch for nine hours a day. Um, and even other ways to look out for people's general health while they're working from home. So encouraging your staff to go for walks, you know, stand up, take a break, um, still take their lunch break, that sort of thing. So that, that's the type of thing that a work from home policy um, can cover. Moving 
past um, coronavirus for a second. Um, this should form part of any sort of contingency plan if any crisis or disaster affects your business, looking at um, the key areas that it would affect in your business. So, for example, disruptions to supply chain. So, if you rely on suppliers for goods or services, contact contacting your suppliers to ask how they've been affected, whether they think it will affect supply to your business, um, whether they have alternative arrangements in place or backup options, and then whether or not they do, looking at alternative supplies to get you through that period temporarily. So it's all about a bit of a stopgap to keep your business functioning as much as possible. I know it's not business as usual for a lot of businesses. For some it is. Um, but for the ones that's not, it's just about keeping it as much as possible, um, continuing as much as possible. Um, if if things are particularly bad in terms of your suppliers, I would be checking the supply contracts with them to have a look at what your rights are to possibly suspend your contract or potentially terminate the contract. Um, so that's really important. That would be one of the first things that I would be looking at. Um, during this particular time and crisis, there's obviously a loss of customer confidence. We act for a lot of um, clients in the fitness industry who unfortunately have just been told as of yesterday that they are non-essential and will be closing the doors. Um, so there's not much that they can really do about that. Um, and customer confidence as a whole has decreased as a result. Um, but looking at ways to temporarily restore that confidence or increase it so that when things smooth over, you can um, pick up where you left off. So that would include letting your customers know to what extent you are still operating business as usual. So for example, a lot of my um, gym clients have gone out and said, obviously, we're closing the doors, but we are going to be offering virtual classes for all of our members. So that's a really good way to let them know what are you still doing to try to operate during this time. That's obviously completely unforeseen. Um, if you haven't had to close the doors, letting your customers know what precautions you're taking to look after their safety and their health and well-being. So again, um, what what's your policy in re regards to COVID-19? What's your health and hygiene policy? Um, for cafes, for example, it might be worth if you're still doing deliveries and takeaways, um, letting your customers know what hygiene practices you have in place to give them that confidence um, and comfort to still use your um, services or purchase your products. Also look at other ways that you can add value to customers and I will touch on that um, in a second as well. If as a result of the lockdown laws you're unable to access your work premises, Hopefully, you've prepared for it in advance by taking everything you need to work from home if that's possible. For example, laptop, personal belongings, chargers. Um, the lockdown doesn't happen till, well, it's 12 o'clock now, so it's happened today. Um, if you can, go and grab anything you need. You just can't open to the public. So, you can still go to your premises to get anything that you need, um, but just don't open it for trade. So that's the first step. Um, other step would be to review your lease or license agreement to see, again, what your rights are in terms of suspending payment of rent or potentially terminating the lease if it's that bad. So I'm saying to most clients, try not to um, 
cut off all ties, like don't go through and terminate all of your contracts because you may need them. We don't know how long this is going to go for and you may need to pick things up again pretty quickly. So termination, absolutely a last result, but do have a look at your contracts to see what rights you have to suspend payment of rent. Um, and most landlords I've found have been pretty understanding. Um, so really open that communication with the landlord or the agent to ask for that rent relief, um, even if you don't have the right to it in your lease. So check your lease, but even if you don't, I would still be asking the landlord for relief, um, which I, I found most have been open to doing. Um, so obviously all of this will impact on your cash flow. Um, I think we ha- do we have an accountant coming at some point this week, Abby? Yeah, we do on Friday. Okay, perfect. So I will leave the accountant to chat about that in more detail. But there's a, a couple of other things that you can do in the meantime um, just to minimise your risk again with reduced cash flow. So I would be recommending that you review all costs and expenses of the business, every single one, print out a report from zero or mild or whatever you use um, and start going through and suspending or, again, cancelling any unnecessary costs. Um, For everything else that is still necessary, I would be requesting payment terms um, for for those costs. So if, for example, they're usually 14-day payment terms, request 30 days just to give you a bit more breathing space um, and help with that cash flow. So examples of some of the costs and expenses you might want to have a look at is rent, which we discussed, any subscriptions, um, services and goods that you purchase in the business, and don't forget about tax. So there's obviously a lot of tax incentives that have been introduced um, by the government recently, but also looking at... um, for tax already, tax returns already lodged, if you've got a payment coming up, um, asking the ATO for extended payment terms or a payment plan on those. I think the position at the moment is the ATO is only doing it, offering it if um, you can show a reason for it, um, but chat to your accountant about that and try to get as much sort of extended payment terms and relief as you possibly can. As a result of this climate, you may also be looking at increased debtors yourself, especially if you're in a service-based business. Um, So first step there would be getting a list of all of your debtors and how overdue they are and contacting them and quite simply asking them when they can expect to make payment. Um, At the moment in the current climate, it might be a matter of offering them payment terms as well. Um, At the end of the day, getting paid something, um, whether it's, you know, in certain instalments is better than nothing at all. Um, So definitely don't forget about your own debtors and that will help bring some cash flow in. Um, Also get a clear debtor policy in place, whether, you know, we're in this climate or not, that's really important. So have a process for how do you follow up your debtors? Is it a first follow-up, second follow-up, and then perhaps you start charging interest um, if it's still not paid, you refer it to your lawyer or a debt collector. So get that policy in place anyway. Now's the time whilst things might be quieting down on the actual work front to be getting your processes and policies locked out. And that can help you when things like this happen. This is, you know, probably the worst we've seen in our 
careers. Um, but even moving forward, once this is over, that will put you in good stead to know exactly the process that you need to follow when these things come up. So, of course, this might all mean that you suffer a loss of business. So, once you've looked at your cash flow and tightened that up, um, look at additional income streams. So, cafes, for example, are doing delivery, um, looking at um, if you are a cafe, for example, delivering to people in your local area, um, gyms, like I said, running virtual classes. If you're a service-based business, how can you offer resources or templates that are online, for example, um, ebooks, webinars? Um, so it's not ideal because you need very, very high volume for that kind of additional income stream, but it's something and it'll just keep you going over the next few months. And then lastly, and I would be doing this as a last resort, look at staffing restructures. And I will preface that by saying it's absolutely essential to get HR advice before you do anything in relation to your staff. But the general uh, advice around that is um, considering firstly what kind of staff you have. So are they casual staff and are they truly casual? So a casual staff member doesn't expect regular hours. So technically their job starts and ends at the end of their shift. So if, if that's the case, um, you can stand them down. Unfortunately, casual workers are going to be most hit by this crisis. Um, but make sure that you're aware of whether they actually are casuals or not. If they are permanent staff, looking at other ways to stand them down first before look, even considering redundancies. So, for example, that might be um, forcing annual leave. Um, so, it's paid leave as long as they've accrued it. Um, so, allowing them to take that, that paid leave before um, unpaid leave. And that's really important. Employees are entitled to use their accrued entitlements um, before looking at any other type of forced unpaid leave. So, that's the first step. Um, and then you might look at um, reducing their hours or salary. So, again, looking, making sure that they've used up their accrued entitlements, if any, before you take that step. And so, yeah, so back to reduced hours and salary, um, make sure that you've exhausted other options first before considering that. Um, reducing hours might mean that the job itself has been made redundant um, so, again, getting HR advice to ensure that you don't have to pay redundancy um, pay or that you're not actually making them redundant if that's not what you're going for. Um, last resort is then redundancy. So, if the downturn in business has caused the job to no longer be necessary, you would be looking at a redundancy and there may be redundancy payments that the employees are entitled to. The advice at the moment is, despite all of that, have an open um, open communication with your staff to explain that this is a temporary measure. We all need to get through it to ultimately save your job at the end. Um, so anything that you do agree with your staff should be agreed in writing as well. Make sure it's documented and if it is a temporary measure, that's reflected in what you've agreed in writing. So, guys, if you have got questions, please feel free to post your questions um, in the comments below. I'm just also trying to get some of the questions that were posted earlier. 
Look, a couple of things. I've, I've got a couple of questions for you before I go to sure. those. A couple of things I just wanted to touch on. Marianne talked about cybersecurity policy. Um, we've actually got Mike joining us tomorrow, and oh. Mike's going to talk about that um, because I do think that's right. really, really important. We've certainly had many um, attempts on our business. Even though we're a small business, you think you're not going to be a target. Mm -hmm. They don't really care your size or where you are. Um, and so Mike's actually been really good at protecting our business. So um, he's going to go through some of that tomorrow. Um, I actually just wanted to pick up on your point around going for walks, um, home environment where you're working, yeah. uh, ergonomic chairs, things like that. It's been interesting. Um, you know, we were only a couple of days into this and both my husband and I have been saying, oh, you know, my back hurts. We're not getting up yeah. enough. Something that we've started doing between us, if this helps anyone, is we've started putting alarms on our phones so that we force ourselves to Good get health. up, go for a walk, get a coffee, get a whatever, mm. come back. Mm. Um, That's the other a great idea. The other thing, and you might be able to build upon this, that I'm, I was kind of keen to touch on as well, was around um, communication. Um, you talked there about restoring confidence. Mm -hmm. um, I really noticed the communication between our suppliers, the good and the bad. And mm -hmm. I'm really noticing those who are being sensitive to the situation, those who are communicating clearly, mm -hmm. those who are pr communicating proactively. Um, and it's leaving me with a really good impression on that business and making me feel, mm. yep, I want to support them. I want to remain loyal to them. And when we're through the other side of it, this is a business I want to work with. And likewise, I found the other side where people are communicating either really poorly and it's just crap um, mm. and it's not really helping us or people who it's feeling like a difficult engagement. I'm feeling in those circumstances, you know, I can feel myself going, God, I just don't want to work with you because when the shit's hitting the fan, excuse my language, yeah. you're being really difficult. So it's really, yeah. I think this is actually critical time from a customer experience and customer satisfaction perspective around maintaining that goodwill, that loyalty and so mm. on. Is there anything there you mm. wanted to sort of add on what I've just sort of yeah. said? I think that communication is so, so important. And yeah, we've all got those hundreds of thousands of emails about COVID-19. And I'm not saying necessarily to add to that mix. Um, but likewise, in terms of the people that are actually using your business, I would say 90% of the emails that I've gotten, I haven't used that business in the last maybe mm -hmm. year. However, I did go down the road to use my gym last week and I had no idea what they were doing about corona. I had no idea what hygiene practices they put in place. Um, I took my own hand sanitizer and that didn't really restore my confidence going to the gym in particular um, and not knowing what they were doing about corona. And this is actually you know, someone that's using your services. So rather than sending out a blast email, communicating with the people that are using your goods and services um, because you would be surprised. It does give some level of confidence knowing what a business that you're using is doing about the situation. Yep. Um, so the other thing I found is in terms of my confidence that that business is going to be there to support me. So I've had two of our service providers, one sent an email going, this is what the government have announced. And it's like, that's great. Mm -hmm. I, I could have found that you're not providing mm -hmm. any additional value to me. And it just sort of was someone yeah. who's relatively important to our business. And I felt like it was just minimal mm -hmm. effort. And mm. I didn't really feel supported in this situation. I had another service provider who said, this is how we're supporting you in this time. We're putting on extra hours. We're doing this, this, and this. Here's my personal mobile number as the founder of the business, if I can help you. And it just had a very personalized feeling of this company mm. is going to support us through this time. 
Um, and mm. I think personalizing communication in this as well is really important. Um, yeah. You know, I had a couple emails where it's dear valued customer. I don't feel valued if I'm a yeah. paying customer and you don't even know my name. So I think there's yeah. opportunities here. Yeah. I keep on talking in my newsletters about the silver lining. And I think this is an opportunity to show exceptional customer service and build brand loyalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And we are all in this together. So having that communication with the clients that actually are valued once you come out on the other end, I think it will build that loyalty even more. They will know that you supported them during this time and looking at ways that you can support your customers as individuals as well, especially if you're in a service-based business, picking up the phone and asking, how are you going? How are you coping? And, you know, especially if you have existing customer loyalty, I know the cafe that I usually go to near my workplace, we've got a lot of loyalty towards them They've had to sort of close the doors and only offer delivery at the moment. But I'm looking at ways to continue to support them during this climate as well, like ordering lunch, takeaway, um, ordering, uh, organising a, a virtual event where we all try to support local small businesses and order from them as well. So don't forget about your customer loyalty at this point in time. It's probably more important than ever. Yeah. So there's two questions that have come through. One is saying, thanks for your time. I'm a retail store, thankfully not in a big shopping center. I'm not an essential service. Does that mean I have to close? I can't Mm. find a list anywhere. Mm. So I know the person in question, it's, yeah, not an essential provider, i.e. supermarket or pharmacy, in my understanding. Sure. So the definition of essential service just came out last night. Scott Morrison made an announcement. And if you are a supermarket, pharmacy, petrol stations, shopping centres all remain open, the ones that specifically have to close, and I can get the list and circulate it later, was gyms, indoor sports centres. Actually, I might have it here. I'll just pull it up so you've got some clarity. But I'll just preface that by saying I I don't think this particular person would need to close if she doesn't fall into one of these categories or he. So registered licensed clubs, these are the ones that have to close. Registered licensed clubs, hotels and pub licences but not their accommodation, cinemas, gyms, indoor sporting venues, play centres and pools, restaurants and cafes are takeaway only, churches, sports centres, funerals have a four square metre rule and hairdressers remain open, beauty parlours remain open, home deliveries will continue and shopping centres remain open. So it's very specific at the moment. So if you're not specifically a gym, for example, you're staying open at this point. There has been mention of a stage two closures, but that hasn't happened yet and may not happen, probably will. But at the moment, unless you're specifically one of those businesses, you can remain open. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And I think um, that clarifies that one. So the other question I got, and I think we've partially answered it already, was can we talk to the implications of shutdown for a small business with staff? So I think you sort of yeah. covered that in terms of whether they're casual employees or not. Um, utilizing holiday and then having a conversation and sort of obviously redundancy is a very last resort but to seek HR advice and we've actually got an HR person talking to us on Wednesday 
Was there anything you wanted to add to that? No, that's really the main thing to be considering in terms of staffing restructures. Um, But again, coming back to communication and really talking with your staff Mm. about what's happening at the moment, even being open with them about what your break-even amount is, if you feel comfortable sharing that and saying, look, this is our break-even, anything below this for a couple of months is not sustainable. So we want to work together to make sure that you still have a job at the end of this. And if that's forced leave, if it's reduced hours for a while and the employee agrees to it and it's in writing, then you're avoiding unfair dismissal claims and that sort of thing. And most people understand that this is affecting everybody on some level, so we should hopefully be open to those discussions. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That looks like it's the only questions that we've got at the moment. So what I'll probably do is I'll close off our Facebook Live, um, but I'll put the link to Marianne's website, um, which is Legalite, so that you can contact them. Obviously, you know, Marianne's got a business to run, so but if you need the resources of a lawyer or so on, then feel free to have a chat with Marianne and her team and yeah. see if you can engage them to assist you if further help is needed. Um, yeah. Look, thank you so much for your time. I've got to get a picture of Charlie. Oh, hey, Charlie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is our new way of working. I love it. <laughs> That's made my day as a dog person. Look, thank you for taking time yeah, to talk to us. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy. Um, so thanks. No, that's, okay. that's my baby talking off in the background now. So between oh, us. Good. It's it's like 30 minutes on the dot. So I think the babies and the dogs have had enough. <laughs> Look, thank you so much. I really appreciate your support. And guys, we will thank you. see you all later. Bye. Good luck, everyone. See ya. Bye. Hey, everyone. We have just gone live with the lovely Mike. Mike, as I mentioned in the chat, is going to be talking to us about all things IT. Obviously, for a lot of people, there's now an impact with suddenly having to work from home. For some of us, we're very used to working from home. For others, it's brand new. So you might be looking for some technologies there to support you. The other thing I've asked Mike to talk about with everyone is around cybersecurity implications. I'll share really, really, really honestly. Um, I'll get in there first before Mike throws me onto the bus. <laughs> um, Mike used to talk to me about all this stuff. And I actually come from an IT background. And I'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. That's fine. You know, we're a small business. We're not going to be a target. And I'll be open enough to share. Like we actually, a few weeks back, had several attempts on our business and if it hadn't been for the various technologies that Mike put in place that are super super low cost but effective we actually would have been hacked as a business and there would have been huge impact so given that we're all now going to be remote working there's bigger implications onto security and so on that Mike will talk to far better than I ever could but that's why I've asked him to talk about it because I think as small business owners we always think yeah yeah cybersecurity I don't need to worry about that but like I said, my business personally would have been impacted if I hadn't listened to Mike. I'm wow. giving you the I told you so. <laughs> and I'll also give you the I told you so on Teams, which you're going to talk to about remote working tools. I, I resisted all these things with Mike. And Mike then gets the pleasure of now several weeks later being like, told you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, um, I'll get you to introduce yourself in terms of you and your business. And then if you can jump into as small business yeah. owners, what do we need to know at this point in time? And then we'll do some Q&A at the end if that's cool. 
Yeah, cool. No worries. Well, so we're uh, we're an IT company, and um, essentially what we focus on is is we've got a few different things. And traditionally, we've always done sort of support services, things like that, to help businesses when they're having issues and and those kind of things. But over the years, we've evolved. And a couple of years ago, maybe about two and a half years ago, we started focusing on technologies like Microsoft Teams and remote working softwares and things like that, purely because we saw the world shifting into a way where instead of five percent of your staff working from home, is that soon enough it was going to be that uh, maybe 50 or 60% of your staff would need to work from home on a regular basis. So we started focusing on technologies like Microsoft Teams, which allows people to chat, communicate, video call, meet, store documents, and do everything that they do on a day-to-day basis inside this one platform. And sure, we might need some other applications to complement that, but it's something that you get as part of a subscription to, to Microsoft, which is just your emails anyway. So to take advantage of those softwares and not have to pay any extra for it is a huge benefit for for a lot of businesses. And throughout us working on that particular software is we started noticing more and more need for higher level cybersecurity. And we, what we'd have is we'd constantly have business owners say to us, it's not gonna happen to me. You know, I've, I've only got one or two staff. It's, it's never going to affect me. I'm sorry, you're under the bus, Abby. Um, is it not just me that said this? <laughs> it's, it's almost every business that we spoke to at some point said it's unlikely that it will happen to us. I'd say probably 80% of people that we spoke to would say something along the lines of, we're too little, people won't target us, we don't have anything of value. Everybody has something of value. You have a contact list, uh, you have emails, you have accounts, right? Those three things are things that cyber criminals are going to target specifically. So having things in place to make sure that those, those three key parts are protected is really important. But then working on from there to make sure that everything else that we do is done in a secure and safe way is really, really important. So over the last 12 months, we've really adapted and now a massive part of our business is around cybersecurity and education on those softwares and and policies and procedures that we can put in place to help keep these businesses safe. Sorry, Um, I'm typing in the question, saying any questions, (laughs) please shout. I'm not ignoring you sitting here. No, no, that's okay. That's Um, okay. So look, I've I've got to ask questions. (laughs) That's fine. I've got a massive list of, uh, of things that I'm going to go through here today. Um, and the first part that I'm going to cover off is going to be the cybersecurity piece. Um, so there'll be sort of a list of nine or 10 things of, uh, of things that we can uh, go through to make sure that people are doing things in the right way. If we've all of a sudden sent staff to work from home, that's great. And we've got software to do that, but let's make sure that they're doing it in a safe way. Um, then we've got some stuff around collaboration softwares and, and how you can do that secure side of it in a safe, in a, in a productive way, not just a safe way. So there'll always be this balance in cybersecurity of, of convenience versus security. And uh, we've got to strike a really fine balance there because if you make things too hard, people aren't going to use it. But if we don't make them hard enough, people will exploit it. So we need to find that, that middle ground that's going to keep people safe. Um, and then at the end of all of this, I've got a whole bunch of stuff um, that Abby will link out and that we'll, we'll tag out to everybody as well uh, in terms of policy documents, procedures, um, and a bunch of softwares that you can use to help get you working better uh, throughout this time as well. Um, so we'll link all of that in at the end of this to make sure that everybody has access to those those documents and those procedures, policies, applications, and everything like that to make sure that um, anyone that does have to work from home and is struggling is going to be able to take some of these things that we talk about today and actually put them into action tomorrow. See, a, you know the part. execution zone. You know what we're That's about. That's the one, Abby. You've, uh, <laughs> you, you've drilled it into me too much. So, right, I'll just, I'll just dive straight into it. And again, if there's any questions, um, pop them in and we'll try and get to them as we go through. 
Um, but the first thing that I'm going to address is having remote access policies. Um, so being able to define a policy um, that ensures that all staff are aware of your requirements and best practices. So this is a, it's an education part. It's teaching people that we need to be aware of what we're doing and, and when we're doing it and things like that. Uh, we need to consider the security controls that are being circumvented by offsite access. So if we've got a company firewall or something similar to that, and we're no longer using it because everybody's working from home, how are we inspecting those packets? How are we tracing things? I mean, one of the big things is most people look at a VPN and they say, it's a great way to work from home because it connects me to the office. But a, a VPN and, and the firewall that is associated with that typically has a much larger job and a much more important job than just connecting people remotely. It's about taking the packets of data that come down into your network, securing those, inspecting them, um, making sure that everything that, that comes in and out of your corporate environment is, is safe and secure. Um, and then you can talk to a, a, an IT provider about um, a risk assessment and, a, and general assistance with these policies as well. So if you've got an existing IT provider, go talk to them and, and have, a, have a conversation with them around what is our risk in these situations? How can we mitigate that? How can we make it smaller? So my second part is around um, business continuity planning. Um, this one's a little bit uh, trying to shut the gate after the horse has bolted, but it's, it's a really valuable lesson for next time. And it's something that we preach all the time. Whenever we go in and we sit down with somebody and we talk to them, we say, do you have a business continuity plan? What would you do if there was a disaster? And, and everybody goes, oh, but you know, that, that probably won't happen to my business. Well, it just happened to every business on the planet. Um, so if I was going to say, I told you, so I'm going to say it to absolutely everybody. Uh, right <laughs> uh, you got the I'll opportunity to, to say, I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to avoid them as much as possible, but, um, having a business continuity plan is, is a, around looking at what is the worst case scenario of things that could happen if we couldn't go into the office. And typically when I talk to people about this, I'd say, what if there was a fire at your building or it flooded or, um, there was roadworks out the front and they cracked a, a massive path all the way down to your front door and, and your business collapsed into a hole, what would you do? Um, and almost nobody has an answer for that, which is fine. That's what writing a business continuity plan is about. And again, go to your trusted uh, providers in this, in this situation. So your insurers, your IT providers, and anybody else who guides you in this situation and have them help you write one of these plans. So if I can't work from the office and, and, and nobody else can work from the office, how are we going to approach that and how are we going to get around people not being able to work in the way that they worked previously. You know, is there the ability to work from home to begin with, just in terms of the software that we've got? And if that's in place, what if we've got a, an office with 50 people in it and 35 of them use desktop computers? How are they mm. going to pick those up and work from home with them? You know, these are things that, you know, you really need to consider. And then obviously there's, there's the security part around all of that as well in terms of making sure that, that those people are safe when they do that. Um, so what do people do on that? Sorry, I'm going to jump in on that. So where okay. people are now like, oh, crap, you know, the horse is already bolted, to use your word. How do people now quickly, so we can we can learn the lesson for next time, and I agree with that entirely, but how do we quickly pivot in this situation we're currently in to go, right, I've got a couple of workers who are still PC, desktop-based, um, not ready to work from home. What are sort of some of the things to do now in this scenario, if that makes sense? Well, that's a, it's a difficult one at the moment because – I mean, I've had more phone calls in the last two weeks about laptops than I've had in the five and a half years yeah. that I've been running my business. Um, and almost every laptop is built in China or parts of it are built in China. Yeah. Um, so when I had somebody call today, I said, I can get you 12 laptops from all of my distributors in Australia that meet your requirements. 
there are 12 available laptops. Um, and typically we'd be looking at in, in terms of there'd maybe be five or 6,000 available devices on in, yeah. in the world um, and through our distribution network. And right now there is 12. It, it's, yeah. it's absolutely crazy. So um, again, go back to your IT provider. I'm sure that we've all got one. Have a chat to them. Um, because if I picked up this camera and walked out the back, I could show you a rack full of about maybe 150 old computers. Now, they're not going to be great. They're not going to do a great job. But if you've got 20 staff who currently can't work, talk to your IT provider. I guarantee you they've got a stack of computers out the back um, yeah. and they'll be able to help you at least get up and running for a little while. And then at that point, maybe write down some of these things that have been happening throughout this process and go, this will be part of our business continuity plan when we write it, when this is all over. Right now, yeah. maybe it's not a great time to do that. Maybe it is a great time to do that. And you can look at this time and go, well, you know, we've got time to work from home and maybe we can take advantage of that and start figuring out those things. But um, yeah, something really, really important is, is having that continuity plan in place when something like this happens to be able to just go, right, this is exactly what's happened. This is how we deal with it. And this is where we're going to go from there. Yeah, thanks, um, Mike. So uh, third point would be around remote access and training and safe practices. So providing staff training to ensure that um, proper processes are followed, um, that teach your best practice or your IT provider's best practice. Um, so that's in terms of, you know, what are we allowing them to put on our, our network? If we're VPNing them in, what is the policies around their documents, their, their uh, devices that they're connecting and everything along those lines? Um, do we have a, a procedure process that, that documents all of this? And if you don't have one of those, we will link one of those at the end because I've got a bunch of templates that we'll give you so that you can you can have one pre-written for you. We've got you know about ten documents with a few thousand words worth of procedure documents um, that are templated out for you. So I'll give those to you at the end of this. And if you don't have this in place and there isn't staff training already um, available to your staff, go talk to your IT provider, go talk to your, your insurers, go talk to anybody that you need this information from and have them organize a video conference with your staff. There's plenty of softwares out there that will do video conferencing and we'll cover off softwares at the end of this. Um, but there is plenty of softwares out there that will allow people to come in, sit down with your staff and talk them through these things. A part that not a lot of people consider, and um, this, is, this is point number four on my security list, by the way, um, is the connection that your staff will be making from home. So what most people assume is I have staff, they've got the internet, they'll be able to take a laptop and work from home. Now, this is not always the case. And I spoke to a staff member from one of our clients a, a couple of days ago, so I think on Friday, and she said, I'm, I'm doing okay. I think we've got good internet. And I went, I can't even remote to your computer. And so we got her to the to a mobile phone, use the internet off that, so the 4G connection off that. And then we did a test on both of them and her local network, so her, her ADSL connection that she had that she thought was okay, um, was not okay. And she was not able to work from it. So she's going to be doing video conferencing and calls and accessing documents. And so are the 138 other apartments in her building. And then every other building around them all of a sudden you're gonna have so many people trying to work at the same time that they're not going to be able to work from home. So consider using a, a corporate 4G or a 5G network for those staff that are going to be working remotely. Give them a little device so that they can just sit down and go, here's one on the desk, I'm gonna work from that instead of my ADSL because it's going to be better for my workflow. Um, you'll yeah. find that they'll spend an hour to two hours less per day on average waiting for their internet. 
So, you know, I've noticed that already. Yeah. We've got NBN, we've got quite good connection. My other half, as you know, is in IT. So he's kind of set up all this cool, funky stuff at home. So we've got a good connection. But even the other day, I was trying to do some stuff on Zoom. And it was just because everyone was trying to do the same thing. It was just honestly like crapping itself. It wasn't working, yeah. technical term, crapping itself um, and just wasn't working. And it's interesting. We're now having to look at that and go, right, okay, if we're going to, I'm moving everything from physical events to virtual, we're all moving stuff to face-to-face video meetings. Actually, how yeah. are we going to get the right bandwidth so it actually works and we can actually deliver it even when I deem we've got quite good setup? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people say, you know, well, we've got pretty good internet and they, they don't, but they don't understand that they don't. Um, so just having the knowledge and going, okay, well, we're going to have maybe 20, 30 people that need to work from home. We need to go out and get them 4G devices or we need to pay for the internet on their phone so that they can tether that to their computer. Um, and that way we'll, we'll mitigate that network being hit so hard because not a lot of people are going to be working off 4G, whereas most people will be working off their, their landlines or their, their MBN connection. Um, That's a good tip. So, and, and also on top of that, ensure that your, your cloud deployments, if you're using them and you, you've got cloud software, servers, um, or services, is make sure that those cloud deployments are adequate to support large scale work from home activities. Because you might have tested it previously with one, two, three people working from home. But what if all of a sudden we've got 50 people working from home? Is that going to affect the software that you use? You know, do you have a custom solution in place? And if you do, and all of a sudden 50 people are accessing it remotely rather than five, how bad is that going to be for your network? Um, it's just an, another point that you need to consider in, in that, that work from home um, setup. So. And I think this um, is relevant, just sort of jumping in, you've given an example there around 50, but I think what's interesting for me is we only have a really, really, really small team. Um, but yeah. even in our team, I've been last week before last, got in there quick. I got one of my team a new laptop because our laptop was on the end, you know, end of its legs. Um, and then, you know, we were looking at, okay, how are we using Teams properly, which I know you're going to talk to. We were like pinging about, okay, what cybersecurity, other cybersecurity do we need? And I think that, that I just wanted to sort of jump in on that and go, even for us as a super small team and as a relatively young business, we are still having to look at this. It's not just the 20, 30, 40, 50 people teams. And I think that's what I had, even with my IT background, I had to go through some of the pain and work with all that to understand this still applies to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, another part of that, and this is this is the next part, and, and bringing up, I've put in a new staff laptop. This is a great time to talk about this one. This is encryption, right? Encrypting devices is really important as well. So, um, say we get a new laptop in for a staff member, they start working from home, they're traveling around with this laptop, and then they leave their bag out on the street, right? It falls out of the door of the car, something like that happens, and somebody picks up that laptop. What is going to happen to their emails that are on that computer? What are going to happen to the documents that are on that computer? How easy is it going to be to access those things? And really easy, by the way. Just in case you were curious, really, really easy to get through Windows security to get into a device because devices by default are not encrypted. Um, They're not secured. So if you're an Office 365 customer, you can encrypt your device with something called BitLocker, which is built into every professional-grade laptop and desktop. You can encrypt it with BitLocker and store that key in your 365 tenant so that you'll never lose it. And all of that means is if I pick up that laptop off the side of the street and I can't get through the passwords on it, which I, I won't be able to, and then I try to pull out the hard drive and, and start getting data off it in another way, is all of that data is encrypted in, in such a strong fashion that I won't be able to get through it. 
whereas previously I would have been able to. And that is a process that will take you less than two minutes. It is really, really important to do, and you should do it to every device. Is that a chargeable tool, or what's the cost for that? No, it's no that's that's it's on every business grade device. There is BitLocker. It's a chip uh, that's installed on your computer, so it's actually a, a physical device built into the computer, and that is built okay. into every professional grade device. So if you go out there and you buy a device with Windows on it, make sure it says Windows Pro, and you're good. If if it's got Windows Pro, it'll almost one hundred percent have a BitLocker chip on it. And that chip you can you can encrypt and store the key locally or you can store it remotely. The reason I say store it in your 365 tenant is because it's just easy to manage it from there. Whereas yeah. if we stored it locally and, and you lost that key and then you couldn't unlock the device, you'd have to throw it in the bin. Um, yeah. so, That's the um, thing I do when I forget my passwords and everything else <laughs> that I lose. I don't know what you're talking about, Abby. Um, so. <laughs> Mike's like, yes, you're a pain in the ass. You forget your password every day. <laughs> yes. um, I'm actually using so, LastPass now. I, I would like to publicly claim I'm now listening good. to you and using LastPass. So there's a tool for you. Good. It is on my list of um, of applications to talk about. Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, so. okay. No, no, that's okay. That's all right. Um, so um, the, the next part is multi-factor authentication. And... This is something I always toss up about when I've got a list of this, is that this should be the first thing that I talk about every single time. I usually leave it for a little bit later because a lot of people have got it, but um, multi-factor authentication is the most important security piece that you can put in on any device ever. Um, I'm sure Abby can attribute to that as well, that um, multi-factor. No, no, you're welcome. You're, genuinely, you're welcome to share the story because <laughs> it's like I'm, a, I'm happy to publicly shame myself from a perspective of going learnings to other people and me thinking it wouldn't happen to us. Yeah. Yeah. So Abby, um, Abby sent me a text at uh, quarter past 10 on a Friday night um, with a list of uh, authentication attempts against her account. And it was only that we had two-factor authentication in place, that they, those people weren't able to get into our emails and start sending out, accessing, doing whatever it is that they wanted to do um, once they got it. And you don't know how they're going to get your passwords. Anybody can get your passwords at any time. And it'll be usually from a, from a phishing attack, so when somebody sends you an email and then they pull data out of whatever it is, fields that they got you to enter afterwards or something like that. Um, but having that multi-factor authentication in place means that this person got my password, sure, but they also need to get past my second level of authentication, which is a text message, a, a, a pop-up notification on your phone or something along those lines. A mailbox with multi-factor authentication on it is 99% less likely to get um, to get uh, attacked by a cyber criminal or for a cyber criminal to get into it. So I cannot stress highly enough that you need to have MFA not only on your emails, but on everything that you do. If you went to log into any of my accounts, I have multi-factor authentication on my LinkedIn, on my Facebook, on any other social media accounts, because that's where they're going to get all my personal information from. Um, but also on my emails, on services that we use, on the remote access tools that we use to connect to other people's computers. Um, that, that piece there is just on everything that we do. And it is, there, I cannot stress enough the importance of putting in multi-factor authentication on everything that you use. Um, so using uh, authenticator apps like the Microsoft Authenticator, if you're using 365, means you'll just get a um, pop-up instead of having to enter a six-digit code. So yep. that inconvenience is really, really mitigated by not having to enter a code in 
and just having a pop-up notification. Um, and some people do quite flexible ones. Like notice with zero, you don't just have to do the text message alert. You can do like um, security questions and you can do other things. Yeah. Sarah's just actually put in the comments, which I've, I've never heard of. Um, MailChimp offers a 10% discount if you if you set up um, yeah, multi-factor authentication. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I just get all my leads from Abby. Um, but <laughs> um, I keep you in business by stuffing up royally. It was quite funny. So I will publicly share the night that this started going down and my phone is just getting hammered, 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 hammered for these attempts. And I'm texting Mike at like 10 o'clock on a Friday night, like going, shit. Um, then when we spoke about 10 minutes later, Mike, um, I was like, I'm so sorry for being like such pain and the fact that I was really resisting doing this and blah, blah, blah. And Mike was like, yeah, myself and Ben were wondering how long it was going to take you to say thank you. And I told you so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I'll, I'll typically leave it uh, to the people You're who had that happen to them. Learn to, my, to my. just, they can feel the, I told you so. I don't need to say it. <laughs> um, so um, the next piece is your, is your password itself. Even when we've got multi-factor authentication in place, it is, it is not bulletproof. It's, it's going to make you 99% safer, right? But it's not bulletproof. So still make sure that your passwords are safe and secure. So ensuring that a password is really long, you know, 13 characters or more is, uh, is really important. Have a mix of a whole bunch of different letters, characters, and things like that. If you can use a password generator and store it in a password vault like LastPass or any one of the other password vaults that you can get access to, we're a big uh, fan of LastPass Enterprise um, because it, Auto fills the two-factor authentication part for you, um, so you'll you'll get the benefits of multi-factor authentication without the inconvenience. Um, so, and I'll talk to you about that later, Abby, because I can see you kind of like, oh, how do I do that? I have um, a card of pen with no. <laughs> that's, that's, I didn't I'm like, no this is what Mike's going to so. talk to me about later. Do you know what? I've started using LastPass, and it's actually been really good, mainly because I'm terrible at. Um, forgetting passwords and different things like that and we've started using it and it's been really useful and particularly when now someone says to me oh can you send us your password for this like as a service provider and they genuinely need access it saves me sort of 15 minutes losing my shit trying to remember passwords as well so not only from the yep. security perspective but also the convenience perspective it's been really yep. really useful yeah so when you move from so the, the, there is a free last pass um, and you can share a password with a single person using that um, in the in the enterprise versions or the, or the premium versions of it, you can share a whole folder of passwords to, say, a staff member or something like that. You could share the same password out to multiple different people, um, and it will act as a two-factor authentication piece for you that will automatically uh, multi-factor auth into websites as you log into them using LastPass. So it'll just take out that extra step for you. Um, so if you've got any of those websites where every time you log in, you've got to go into your authenticator app, find a six-digit code, enter your six-digit code, and then go through, um, is this will save you having to do that. Yep, so cool. Security with, that, with a little bit less of the inconvenience, um, really important. Um, so data loss protection is really important as well. So having things in place to mitigate people sending out the wrong things by accident. Um, you know, a, a massive amount of data breaches are just a staff member making a mistake. They've accidentally sent a credit card number in plain text in an email and that email went out to somebody who wasn't the customer. Um, that's going to be really bad, not only for the customer who's now got their credit card in somebody else's inbox, um, but for your staff member who sent it, 
for your business whose reputation is now compromised because you've sent that. Um, and there's, there's little things that you can do inside a, like a 36510. You can have a pop-up alert come up as you're typing in one of these things to say, hey, you're not actually allowed to send a credit card number in an email uh, from our organization. Uh, you, and you can enable these policies fairly easily. Again, talk to your IT provider, find out from them what you can do about setting up some um, data loss prevention policies. Um, and if you're on 365, there is stuff built into certain licenses in there that will allow you to do that and manage it through that one license again on your on your 365 tenant. Um, monitoring and endpoint security. I, just monitoring your traffic, you know, being aware of what's going in and out of your networks, what's going in and out of your computers, what people are clicking on, what they're doing. Um, those parts are really important as well. And uh, ensuring that, that all all BYOD devices or all bring your own device um, units that your staff are bringing in um, have endpoint security installed on them. That's something that most people don't even think about. They're like, oh, my staff member said they've got a computer at home. Great, I'll let them use that. And then they go log on and their 12-year-old son who's been going to whatever websites he went to last night and we won't ask him about them. Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm trying to say with a serious face. <laughs> I was waiting for you to crack. Um, so, but so anyone on that home network who's been to any of any bad website and that that software's got onto these computers, and then you start logging onto your work network and you VPN in, and now you've got direct access to your server. So that that secure tunnel that you created by putting a VPN in place is now compromised because there's a, a, a either a piece of software on the computer that you're using or another computer on your network that is compromised, that can then feed through that VPN tunnel and attack your corporate network, um, completely taking out of the, any security that you had in place from that VPN in the first place. So being aware of what staff have and, and making sure that, again, that any an IT provider or an internal IT resource has thought about how those people are going to access things from home, how they're going to be safe about using those things from home, and making sure that those devices have endpoint security on them, that they're patched and up to date, that they're monitored, that network traffic is monitored, things like that. Um, they're really important. Uh, one, one device I could really highly recommend here is Trend Micro actually have a home security hub, uh, which plugs into your network. It automatically configures a whole bunch of security policies. It checks devices on your home network to see if they're using default passwords. So if your router's using a default password, which almost every router on the, on the planet Nobody changes the passwords to, uh, especially ones at home, uh, which make them a really vulnerable target and people will attack you during this time. Um, so it'll come back with, to you with a report and tell you all of these things. And it'll also tell you any nefarious websites that maybe your 12 year old might be visiting. I don't know who this 12 year old is, by the way. I have a three year old, but um, <laughs> I just imagine there's people out there with young male children who are Googling things they shouldn't be Googling and ending up on websites <laughs> they shouldn't be ending up on. So, um, yeah, I have so many comments that I'm going to stay clear of. Do you think, because <laughs> I'm going to move to a serious question, do you think that because of the fact we're all now working from home, so stupid question, but I'm going to ask it, do you actually think that now we're a little bit more vulnerable in terms of um, people out there are going to start upping the ante on some of these attacks to take advantage of the situation that actually there's yep. going to be weaknesses now? Definitely, definitely. Um, typically, most cyber criminals wait for a disaster um, all you've got to do, go, go and look up what cyber attacks were like on specific areas after massive um, natural disasters. So when there were hurricanes over mm. in the US, you look at the amount of phishing attacks that went into people in those specific regions and it, 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 
quadrupled in most areas. Uh, yeah. So you're talking about, you know, the amount of attacks and the sophistication of attacks that are coming in um, are going to be really, really hard to stop. So having that mindset of security in the first place and, and, and having your staff be aware and constantly talking to them about cybersecurity is really, really important. So, you know, having that conversation with them and saying, look, if you get an email and you see a link in it and you, you don't know what the link is, delete the email. Call the person who sent it to you and make sure that it was real. And I think what's because- interesting on that is that you assume that it's going to be obvious, but some of the attempts now are damn good. And one of my mates, who will remain nameless, um, works for a cybersecurity company and they do testing. Um and so as in terms of for their employees and they'll t- they'll do attempts and see if the employees, you know, take the bait and go for it. And majority of them, even though they're working for a cybersecurity company, fell for it because they're that damn good these days. So it's not obvious. And even, and even though I did it when um, we had one that you helped us with where someone, a lawyer I'd spoken to, it then went out as an invoice. So I got an email from this person, nameless person, yeah. saying I, I know that, the one. Uh, yeah, you know the one. Um, yeah. That, that I owed the money and there was an invoice. So, of course, I'm going to open that because it was a name that I recognized and so on. And so I think that it, we all assume that, you know, when you get the really stupid emails, you know, go and send money to wherever and, you know, send however many bitcoins. Yeah, yeah, we get that. But I think that it's it's now more sophisticated than that. Yeah. And, and look, I'll be one to hold my hand up for this is, um, especially at the moment, is we're pulling massive weeks here um, to try and make sure that the clients that we look after are, are taken care of in the right way. So we're, we're in here 80 to 100 hours every week at the moment. Um, I don't know mm. if you can tell by the unders of my eyes. I, uh, I, haven't I just thought that was the and, newborn. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, well, there's a, there's a bassinet behind me just in case uh, I have to take him for a little while as well. So, um, But we're pulling massive hours and one time that this happened to me was a few years ago i was doing similar kind of stuff and um i had an email at 11 o'clock on a friday night and it was from telstra and it looked legitimate and i was just tired and i clicked it and it went to a bad website and i went shit and i just blew away my computer i uninstalled everything that was on there i wiped it and i started again i was like i don't know where that went how far that went i set it to reset reinstalled windows and went to bed um so you know, I'm, I'm around this stuff every single day and I'm really, really conscious of it and I click the link because it looked so legitimate. Um, and there's some out there from Australia Post, from Origin Energy, from Telstra mm. that just looks so real. Um, yeah. And, you know, even the, the really good scanners that'll pick up bad links and things like that are not picking up some of these because it's, it, on that first day when it doesn't know whether it's a threat or not, it gets through to your inbox. So it doesn't matter what level of security you've got, there will be threats arrive at your inbox and you just need to be super vigilant, especially right now when you don't yeah. have that, that kind of security blanket of a corporate network and people sitting around you and things like that to keep you safe. Um, yeah. So, yeah, making sure that, that people just have that consciousness of security yeah. and, and they're constantly thinking about it, you know, would this person send me that email? Yeah. Even if they would. <laughs> Take, take your mouse and just hover over the link in the email and look at the link that comes up. And if you're not 100% certain that that link is safe, delete the email. They can always yeah. resend an email. That's, yeah. you know, it'll be a minor inconvenience to them. But if you click a link that's bad, it's going to be a massive inconvenience to you. Yeah. So um, We've got a couple of questions that have come in. Do you mind if we do it as we go yeah, just so I don't lose them? That's fine. Um, so, oh, Rodan saying, oh, we got, hello. Um, absolutely, little need. Um, 
this will need to the corporate network directly when you can get into a team member's home network and then move in undercover of the office VPN. Well, you're a guru, so you get you get all this stuff, and you don't get you don't need the help. You're an IT IT provider as yeah, well. Yeah, I was going to say he's he's, <laughs> he's another company that does what we do. So um, I'll, I'll take it as can a compliment you... that we're getting comments like this from uh, from him. Um, but um, yeah, definitely. Look, being able to, to it's basically like just putting on a cloaking mask and jumping into a corporate network and then being able to do whatever you want. Um, you know, it's it, that that awareness of what is on your home network is really important. Yeah. Then the next one is we've employed a mobile phone message service to avoid large scale staff meetings. Is there any security issues I we should be concerned about? Mobile phone message service. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you'll need to um clarify what that service is and what it does. Um, because, uh, and I'll just say off the bat, I don't know what you're talking about, but yes, there is security issues that you should be concerned about. I don't know what they are because I don't know what the software is. But depending on what it is and what it does, there is definitely a need for a, a security concern to every piece of software that we attach to a corporate network. Anything that we add in, you know, when there's a, a pop-up come up and it says, Google or Microsoft or whatever it is would like to add this to your account. Be really certain that you want those people to be able to see all of the things that are listed. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a really, really important example of this is um, something like TikTok. Now, I, I don't know too much about it, but what I do know about TikTok is it, it's a China-based company, which means anybody that has a TikTok account, your personal data is stored in China, right? And, and this is another perfect example of, oh, but... I don't store anything important on there. It's just TikTok. There's just videos. But it records where you go. It, it'll, it'll track your movements, geodata, everything like that. So every time you're moving around and, and accessing this, this app from a different place, it's logging where you're, where you're accessing the application from. So if you consistently access it from the same location every day at 7 p.m., that's where you live. And now I know your address, right? And then you access it from, from um, say, a school every single day wow that's where that person goes to school how much more information can i get out of the applications that you use think about it in terms of you know if you're a facebook user or an instagram user or whatever one of those applications where do i use it frequently and what could somebody find out about me from where i'm accessing these applications um you know the, most most corporate security breaches come from a personal account so they'll come from a facebook account or a linkedin account or something like that and then they'll use the information that they gather from there to attack that person's corporate identity. So if I was to look up Mike Collishaw, I'm pretty vulnerable because if you look up Mike Collishaw in Australia, there is one. Um, and that's not good for me because if somebody finds a password for Mike Collishaw, they'll be like, well, there's only one, it must be his. For a lot of other people, um, I'd say, you know, if there's an Abby White, there's probably a few Abby Whites, but I wouldn't say there'd be that many. Uh, and if you go and, and, and do a we LinkedIn search on how many... How many, how many Abby Whites there are, um, and I get a personal password of yours, and then I use that to attack a corporate identity. How many Abby Whites are there out there that would, that would I have to try before I hit you? Um, and and one, one a really good way to do this is open an incognito window or a browser that you've never used before, and do type in your name and then the word LinkedIn, and see what number you come up on that list. Because if you're at the top and then somebody's finding your details, it's going to be pretty easy to target you. And that's the case for most people. Um, and, and we can pull that down from, from data that we find from these attacks. Uh, we, can, we can sort of determine where somebody is and who it is 
reasonably easily. So if I went, yeah. I know that it was a, it was an Abbey White and I know that it was somebody in a specific area of Sydney, right? How many Abbey Whites are there in the area that you live in Sydney? Mm. And I'm going to say there's not going to be many. So no, I don't think that, it's, it's, I don't think there are. <laughs> it's, it's relatively easy to track somebody back and just, and think about that. Unless your name is Bob Smith. Yeah. It's going to be really, and even then, it'll be relatively easy to get to you. Um, but you can kind of take from that information because on Facebook, you'll have listed, I work at the execution zone. You go, okay, well, let me just look up the execution zone. All right, there's an Abbey there. It's probably either Abbey at the execution zone, Abbey.white at the execution zone, Abbey W at the execution zone, or one of about five different variants of those. Now, yeah. if I've got your password from somebody else and that's the same as your work password, how easy is it going to be to get into your account? Yeah. Um, do I, I have two-factor authentication enabled as per that uh, statement from earlier? So, um, you know, that, that part is, is really, really important. Um, so I cool. haven't heard back from Craig yet, so I'll wait to see if he, uh, if he comes back and, uh, and elaborates on the, uh, on the software yeah, that he's I'll using. Check on my phone. And even if, if not, not um, that's something that we can, we can address a little bit later on as well and, and yeah. uh, post a response to that. Um, the last the one on that security list, to, by the way. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, go for it. No, no. Actually, we'll just have Craig come back, so let's cover that off now. At this point, only the directors know which software we'll be using, launching later this week. I only know due to being on disaster management team, we've got 600 workers who have to work through entire pandemic, so part of our risk mitigation. Yeah, okay. Look, with a large-scale staff like that, you're going to have a whole bunch of security issues. Um, if there's a mobile phone messaging service, there'd be some way that that's likely linked up to an Office 365 tenant or, a, or an internal exchange server or something like that would be my guess that you'd be using either a local directory or an Office 365 directory to message out to people to, um, yeah. to do those kind of responses. So if that's the case, then, then definitely make sure that that software, that's going to be your weak point in that situation. Any software that we connect in are going to be our weakest point. I'm going to assume that most people um, would and I'm assuming here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to assume that most people would go through a security policy with their IT provider or with an internal IT team around what should I do um, with 365 security, right? So I've got to Office 365. What do I need to do to secure it? Am I using the right licenses? Is there the right data loss prevention policies and, and things like that? If all of those things are in place, then our weakest point is going to be third-party applications that come into that environment. So securing Office 365 is, is easy enough, especially if you go to somebody who's done it a hundred times, right? They'll just go, cool, here's the, here's the policy that we say you put in place. Let's tweak them a little bit to suit you, but here's a, a baseline of policies that we can use to make you safe. But if there's, again, if there's um, a third-party application that comes into that environment, how secure is that third-party application and how much can it access inside 365? That would be what I'd be looking at. Um, and whatever systems it's hooked up to, how much is it able to access um, and, and how concerned should we be about that access? So I'm conscious of um, wanting to just squeeze out of you before you have to run um, the topic <laughs> of also collaboration tools. Like I'm, yeah. I'm desperately like, ah, oh, don't run away before we talk about that. Cause I feel like, um, is there anything else you wanted to cover sort of cybersecurity? Or I, yeah, I've, I've got one more thing. So we've got ah, um, okay. just, just the response piece. So this is the most important part of all of these things all together. What do we do when it happens? Um, just ensure that you have a proper incident response plan that includes remote breaches as well as local breaches, um, and then test your plans. 
make improvements on them, consistently work on them. So just be aware of, you know, if this were to happen, if we had a pandemic and everybody had to work from home, what would we do if five of our staff members opened a bad email? How do we mitigate that? How do we protect that? Um, and then let's pretend that that's happened. How are we, um, how are we going to, to sort of address it now that it has happened? Phone Mike at 10 p.m. at night. <laughs> For most of you, I won't answer the phone. Um, um, so, yeah, look, in terms of your cybersecurity stuff, that is, uh, that's sort of our, our kind of hit list of, of things that you really, really need to focus on. There is tons more than that that you need to do. And if you've got an IT provider or a trusted, uh, trusted person that you work with, um, then definitely um, jump onto them um, and, and have a chat to them and find out. But other than that, yeah, definitely uh, go through that list. And, and again, we'll, I'll post up a, um, a checklist of all of the things that I just spoke about as well. Okay, cool. And I'm going to put, um, just shout now, I'm just going to put a replay of this available as well. Um, Sarah's just jumped in and said that the video keeps pausing at this end. So we seem to be getting network issues, but I've got a recording yeah. of it. So if you did miss anything, um, recording will be available. Okay. So finishing cool. up with collaboration tools, is that what's next on your list? Yep, yep. So collaboration tools. So we've got uh, on a recommended software list, LastPass would be one of the first ones to put in there. Um, it'll store uh, securely any passwords that you've got, so you don't need to know what they are. I have 1,600 and something passwords in my LastPass now. Um, wow. There is no way that I could remember all of those. Um, your average person has something like 80 or 90 passwords that they use on a fairly frequent basis. Now I'm gonna say 60 or 70 of those are the same password. So use LastPass, get it to generate a password for you and store it there and make it random. That's, that's one of the safest ways that you can um, store any of that information. Using the same password over and over again, you're making yourself a target. So um, yeah, um, having an MFA app, so that'll be Google Authenticator, Microsoft Authenticator, uh, LastPass has an authenticator in it that will auto-authenticate you as well. Uh, and there's about 10,000 other MFA apps. But if you're going to use an Office 365 account, use Microsoft Authenticator and have your provider or internal IT configure push notifications on it rather than pin numbers. Um, and then anything else, Authy is a really good one because it can be stored on multiple devices and it does backups. So when you add a new device, it, it puts all of your passwords onto there. Um, and it also has a desktop app so you can open up an app on your desktop, pull out your two-factor code and put it into a website. Um, just makes it a little bit easier. Again, we want to make it as convenient as possible while being as secure yeah. as possible. Um, in terms of um, chat and video conferencing and things like that, Teams and Zoom are two really, really great tools for that. I could do a five-hour, 10-hour, 20-hour long video on Microsoft Teams uh, and how good it is. Um, we use it every single day um, where, you know, between the, the six people in our organization, we post something like 300 messages to teams a day. Um, so it is the most used tool. And that's because we have people in different areas that work apart from each other. And it's, again, something because we've been specializing in this, this remote working tool kind of ecosystem for so long is we're ingrained in it. We, we know exactly how this mm. stuff works. And, and we've put it into, I think, 60 or 70 different businesses now. Um, yeah, and we, we use Teams after Mike twisted my arm. And what I think 
was really interesting for me was at first I found it difficult and it's not that the tool was difficult at all it was just changing your habits if you're used to using yeah. google drive or you're used to using zoom or whatever it was and we were transferring everything to teams it just was that um onboarding time of getting used to doing something different but we now are using it really really well and again we're a super small team um but we use it for chat we use it now for video conference with clients we use it to store all of our files um, and we actually have used it really, really heavily um, before this even this sort of um, coronavirus thing happened. Um, yeah. And actually, it's helped us because when coronavirus has happened, we're already set up working in that way. Um, so I would second yeah. teams after Mike twisted my arm, even if you're a really small team, it's still been very, very, very powerful. Yeah. Uh, one thing to be aware of when you are using those um, remote video softwares is be aware of what's written behind you. See this, this phone number right here. I, I deliberately left that up there today to see how many people looked at that and went, I wonder whose phone number that is. Um, because yeah, I don't know how much of that you can see. I don't know if you can see the person written above mm. it. But if you've got confidential information written behind you on one of these boards, you're not even going to know. right? You could be yeah. in a meeting for an hour and somebody's reading information about your client list from behind you and, and you're talking to another client and they're going, oh, I could get take their information and their information and their information and start contacting them. You know, there's heaps of different things that people could do with that. So um, Microsoft Teams has a blur my background option. So there's a little button you can press when you're on a video conference and then blur my background and oh. it just blurs everything behind you. Um, Zoom, you can paste a background behind you. Um, one really good uh, thing that you can use for that is the back of your business card. So with your logo on it, um, if you do BNI, um, I do... I do our BNI meetings online now and I just have a picture of our business card with some extra text on it that says, do you need to work from home? I can help you. Yeah. Um, and anytime nice. anybody looks at my picture, they, they'll just see our logo, my phone number, my email address, and uh, a little piece of writing that says, I can help you work from home. Um, and it's just a way that, um, that I use to, uh, to get onto a few more people uh, in a way that, you know, typically yeah, nice. I wouldn't have been able to reach them. Um, so OneDrive and Google Drive for file storage. If you're using Google, then use Google Drive. If you're using 365, use OneDrive and SharePoint. Um, again, in behind Teams and, and uh, an IT provider or a, 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 a somebody who puts this software in will be able to help you put that in place. Um, having good VoIP software in place is going to be really important through the next few months, especially. Um, just be wary of who you pick there because some VoIP providers at the moment, and, and one that we use as well, is getting four times the call volume through their system than they were two weeks ago. Um, yeah. And their phone system keeps falling down. So just be aware of who you're picking and make sure that they've got scalable resources um, and that they'll be able to, to handle all of the stuff that you're doing. Um, Lucid Chart's a really cool one if you're doing any charting mm. or graphing or anything like that. Um, and Prezi as well. Both of those two are just really cool for presenting stuff, especially when you're when you're presenting to somebody who's not in the same room with you anymore. So you can't just sit there with a piece of paper and kind of go, here on this piece of paper, here, this is the part, mm. this is the part, all those kind of things, is you can use Lucidchart to kind of jump between different sections and make little animations and things like that. That's really, really simple. Um, and also Sway um, by, uh, by Microsoft as well will allow you to do some of that stuff too. I'll cover off the Microsoft tools at the end of this because uh, they're, they're sort of my favourite bit. Um, <laughs> And then uh, Mike has like, a love of Microsoft. I need to like work out like my personal mission in life is to make you like a brand ambassador or something for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so and then uh, Kanban tools, so like Trello's and Jira and mm. Planner, 
uh, those kind of things um, for just getting your tasks in order. Now, all of those can be linked back in. So if you do have an Office 365 account, you've got a bunch of tools in there that you've never heard of. I can almost guarantee that. So OneNote, Planner, Bookings, Forms, Sway, Power Apps, all of these things will allow you to automate um, and collaborate together in a way that you haven't previously been able to. And if you haven't used these things before, OneNote is uh, a piece of software that it's just a note-taking software, but you can use it for so much more than that. You can store pages and folders and, and, and almost like chapters of a book. So you can have your entire business documentation, all of your SOPs if you write them, all in this one OneNote folder. And then anybody who goes into there just goes up to the top and they search for MFA and then it takes you to a page that goes, here's the three MFA tools we use and here's the documentation on how to set them up. Um, Planner is, if you've ever used Trello before, Planner is Microsoft's version of that. Um, but when you create a task in Planner, it'll put a reminder in your Outlook calendar. Um, and then you can link Planner out to other tools as well and have those tasks automatically move between different swim lanes according to where they're at in different products in the Microsoft suite. Um, Microsoft Bookings will allow people to jump into your bookings calendar and book you uh, for time. So again, I can give you a, a link to my bookings calendar because I've opened up times for people to be able to book me for um, cybersecurity discussions and team collaboration discussions. Um, there's half an hour appointments on those on my calendar every single day. Um, they're free consultations, mm -hmm. so you're more than welcome to jump on with me and have a chat. Um, Microsoft Forms is really, really great if you're doing surveys, mm. if you're doing internal documents, things like that. But then again, you can use that the, the Power App suite inside Microsoft to take the data from Microsoft Forms and put it into somewhere else. You can have it pre-fill a Word document um, mm. after they filled that a form somewhere else. So you could have it send somebody an email to let them know that this form's been filled out with this information. And if they selected this option, then we'll kick off a new sales process inside HubSpot, right? There's tons and tons of things you could do there. Um, and Sway is kind of like PowerPoint, but way, way cooler and easier to set up a slide. Um, so go look at Microsoft Sway. And then on top of that, you've got the Power Suite. So that's Power BI, um, Power Apps, and Power Automate. Um, and those three things, Power BI is a business intelligence tool. So if you've got Xero, uh, you can link it to Power BI right now. It will automatically configure a whole bunch of dashboards and reports for you to be able to go through your zero financials and it'll show you everything that zero has as a report in graphs and charts which if you're a business owner you want to see i don't want to see numbers i want to see pretty graphs um, <laughs> i'm with you on that one um uh power automate is um if you've ever used a tool like zapier power automate is microsoft's version of that same tool so it can be used inside the microsoft suite and then there's a few hundred other applications as well to automate processes. So we could link it up to our emails. And if an email comes into my inbox with this information in it, then automatically send it to my HubSpot account so that it can kick off a sales process or something along those lines. You know, if somebody sends me an email and it has urgent written in the title, automatically flag it and set a reminder for, the, for an hour later. And if I don't action it within an hour, I'll get a pop-up notification. Um, so there's, there's plenty of tools inside Microsoft's um, set of products. Uh, I think you get over 40 applications now inside an Office 365 subscription. Um, and you can get even more than that by expanding it out to other products like Project and Visio and Dynamics as well. Um, so there's, there's heaps of stuff in there and most of it you're already paying for. So if you go out and you pay for Dropbox and you pay for Premium Trello and you pay for 
all of these other products, um, stop paying for them. You don't need to. You can get all of that through your 365 subscription. And yeah, it won't be exactly the same functionality because it's made by a different person, but it will be 90% functional compared to what you had and probably another 20% of stuff that you didn't know that you could do in the other program that you can in this. We actually so reduced our that. licensing costs by doing that. We looked at all the different tools we were paying for that we were duplicating effort with what could be done in Microsoft. And we stopped paying for the vast majority. We only have like now probably one that is something that we use. But other than that, we've really reduced our subscription licenses by by doing that. Yeah, and that's and that's a it's a really easy way to do it. And especially at a time like now when when everybody is considering costs, you know, the amount of phone calls I've had in the last yeah. week of how do we reduce costs? Yeah. Is most people who I've spoken to, I've said, you know, well, let's have a look at the applications that you use. And most people have got a list of 10 to 20 different applications. How many of those do we pay for? Five to 10. How many of those could we take out of our way and do it in the Microsoft suite? Yep. So I'm conscious of sort of wrapping up soon. Are there any other tools that we should really be looking at now at this point in time that's going to help us sort of work a bit more collaboratively? with our teams in the current situation we find ourselves in? I think in terms of collaboration, just assess the, the technologies that you're using and, and then talk to whoever it is that advises you in this, uh, in this situation. So if you've got an IT provider or something like that, just please don't go to your friend who knows about computers. He will yeah. not help you. That's not a place to get trusted information. Go to, go to a professional, talk to somebody. Yeah. You know, I'm always happy to talk, but if you've got somebody who you already talked to, go talk to them. Um, and have that conversation with them right now. Because for most people, and for us at the moment, we're building a backlog of projects that's, that's going to span out six months pretty shortly. And it's, it's going to be that way because everybody all of a sudden that has been fighting me against Microsoft Teams, they all want it right now. And I've only got six people. Yeah, I can't do that many projects all at once. So you know, if you're looking at doing those things now, start talking to people now because they will not have the capability to do it in, in a few weeks. Yeah. and Mike, you mentioned there as well your ability. So if someone hasn't got a provider and they want to have a chat to you or want to have a chat to you anyway, you're going to put a link in and provide us with details that if someone wants to book in for a free consult with you, they can have a chat. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Cool. The other thing that Mike offered to do is um, send us sort of a list of sort of a couple of different links that we should look at and a couple of different pieces and pieces of information. You've talked to a couple of different pieces as we've gone as well. So yep. we'll consolidate all of that together um, and provide that out to everyone. Is there yep. anything else that we've missed or that you want to go through before we sort of close off? No, I think we've got a stack of stuff. You know, if you've got concerns around cybersecurity or, or you, you want to have maybe like a, a scan against your, your domain, just let me know. I'll run a scan. We've got tools to do all of that stuff. I'll run a scan and send you back the results. And if you want to have that discussion around cybersecurity a little bit more in depth, book into my calendar, have a chat to me, and we can talk about the things that you know, you're concerned about. Awesome. Look, I want to say a massive thank you to Mike, because um, as you kind of just heard, Mike and his team are now super busy and super popular. So I genuinely really appreciate you taking an hour with us to talk through all those different things. I think it's kind of a really valuable topic. Like I said before, I think all of us think it's not going to happen to us. And yep. I'll do that later. And suddenly that day has come. Um, and like you talk to at the moment, sort of, you know, it, it's prime time for attacks and it's prime time for collaboration tools. All of this has kind of come to a head. So it's sort of something we all need to look at. So look, thank you very, very, very much for so generously sharing information. And we'll also share the links and the link to book in with Mike if you want to have a free consult with Mike as well. 
Cool. And thank you for not saying I told you so too much on all my mistakes. You're welcome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Right. Thanks for having thank me, Abby. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining, and I'll be sharing the links shortly. Thank you. Bye, everyone.